back to another episode of the One Broke Actress Podcast, an honest account of actor life plus a few lessons I learned in the process. My name is Sam Valentine. I am your host. I am also known as One Broke Actress. Guys, this is episode 12, which means this is the end of season one. What? I know. It's crazy. Uh, But don't worry. Season two is already in the works. That's right. There is some cool freaking people lined up for season two. Um, But I'm going to tell you a little more about that at the end of this episode. Speaking of this episode, today we have on Ash Brewer. And she's so freaking cute. She, her Australian accent is just going to really put my Missouri voice to shame, I must tell you in advance. She is hilarious. She is so voiced in the soap opera world. And I wanted to talk to someone who came from L.A., not just from across a few states, but from across the world, literally. She moved here from Australia. And uh, she has had quite an adventure thus far. So she shares with us some of her stories, uh, a little bit about how she is just now getting into acting class and how it's kind of changed her world and what the inside of the soap business is like, kind of what a day-to-day on set, um, the amount of memorization and work they have to do, which is insane, and a hell of a lot more. We cover a lot of stuff in this one. Ash is also going to take us on a video journey of a day in her life, and that is going to be on my Instagram the day after this podcast comes out, so Wednesday. So make sure you follow at Sam Valentine so you can see kind of in real form what a day in her shooting schedule is like. She'll take us through her routines, kind of how it works on set, and little tidbits here and there. So that should be fun. Um, But before that, I want you to get to know her a little better. So ladies and gentlemen, please enjoy today's episode with Ash Brewer. Okay, so I'm here with Ash. (laughs) Hello. Hi. (laughs) I know it's so formal. It is. It feels funny. We were just chatting normally and now I'm all stiff. Like, I what do I do? always changes when I open the podcast. <laughs> uh, so just tell us if you could. Um, well, one, let's just address the elephant in the room that I'm going to sound like a bag of garbage in this podcast next to your adorable oh, My accent? Yeah. It depends on where you're from. I'll sound like garbage if someone listens to it back home. No. I don't think I have very many listeners in that side of the world yet. I am drinking wine though, so... Anything, it could go, it's all downhill from here, really. (laughs) Great, great start. Um, So uh, tell us then your part of the world and how you got to LA. Mm, Well, um, so I grew up in a really small town in Brisbane, Mm -hmm. Australia. Um, And I I was very rural. rural. We grew up on acreage, blah, 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 the whole farm kid thing. Um, And then... Cut to, I was like 12, 13, and I was like, I want to be an actor. And then I just kind of, I got this job when I was 12, and that cemented the idea. Where I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. So then I didn't really care much about school, and I just wanted to finish school so I could keep acting. Uh-huh. Um, and then I, uh, I actually, I got this job in Melbourne, Australia, which is about two hours south on a plane from Brisbane. Um, and that was the week that I graduated high school. Um, and then that took me to Melbourne and then I worked in Melbourne for five years on that show. What um, was the show? Neighbours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So really there's one of two shows in Australia and that's <laughs> Neighbours <laughs> or Home and Away and I was on Neighbours. Um, and yeah, and then I, I wrapped up after five years there. I, I really only planned to stay on Neighbours for like two years and then 
I stayed for an extra three. It just, I love Melbourne so much. And then I moved out here when I was 22 and I've been here for four years now. That's so cool. Yeah. So how did you get the first job in Australia? So the first job, oh yeah, backtrack to that. So where I grew up, it's uh, about an hour from a place called the Gold Coast Mm -hmm. and Warner Brothers Studios at the time, uh, a bit like now, there's a huge tax break uh, break in Australia for um, getting films off the ground. And um, uh, it was the same deal then. So they built these huge studios out there and then they ended up using them for like local kids shows. And they would, um, there was a show that, I, the one that I started on was called The Sleepover Club and it was produced by this guy and written by this guy, J.M. Schiff. And he was known for finding kids and basically just throwing them on a show and it would run for 12, 16 episodes and then it'd be gone and then he'd write another one. And um, uh, yeah, so I did that, which how was did good. He, and how did he find you? Well, I, I went to acting class. So I guess my acting stuff started when I was... <laughs> That's I was, the official term. I acting stuff. <laughs> uh, what do you call it? It's so funny. I don't know. I don't know. I still. Acting. It's such a weird thing to own, even now as an adult, and I've been doing it for that long. I'm still like, I don't know. What do I call it? I don't know, but if you think of an overarching name, please let us know. I know, it's so odd. So odd. I Um, think um, most people would call it a career. Oh, okay. But that just sounds really official. It seems crazy, though, to call this a career. I feel like it's an escape from a career. (laughs) (laughs) That it feels like sometimes. Yeah. So you're running from a career. That's what I'm doing. (laughs) (laughs) Which would be the safe option. Uh, Yeah, that would be running to a career sounds a little more comfy mm-hmm. uh so how did you so how did you audition for the show yeah so um uh long story short I was doing acting classes at school like drama class mm-hmm. and my mom was actually the principal of the school that I went to and my drama teacher I think I was in like grade four or something she went up to my mom and she was like you know Ash has a real interest in acting and she's definitely advanced and compared to the other kids da, da, da. and my mom was like oh and you know she'd grown up modeling my aunt was a model and she was like oh god I don't want to get Ash into anything like that and uh she basically said to my mom she's like you got to get her acting classes da, da, da. and my mom finally enrolled me um in these acting classes in Brisbane city which was so exciting when I was a kid that was driving like the, to the city. the big city yeah the big smoke and um that's when I started acting classes and the guy who was running the acting classes, he, which is crazy to think of now, he was like 21 running these acting classes and oh. he'd had a career as a like wildlife show presenter, like another kid's show in Australia. Um, this is why you really can't trust all acting teachers, you guys. <laughs> it's crazy. But then what's even crazier is that this guy ended up being my agent. No. So then, yeah. So then he, but you know, I was 12 and my mom obviously knew nothing about the industry. So I had this like 21 year old agent and he sent me out to um, this audition and I was, I was, yeah, like 12 or 13 and uh, no, yeah, 11 or 12, whatever. But, um. He sent me to this audition and then I got it. It was the first audition I'd ever done sort of thing. And, and no then I, <laughs> I landed it. But I was just, you know, I was so little. And then, uh, yeah, the rest is history. That's nuts. Yeah. That right, so you're one intro. of those people I don't like who uh, landed their first audition. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Keeping in mind, <laughs> there probably wasn't much stiff competition for female <laughs> 11-year-old actors with freckle, freckles and bangs that were curly. And that's exactly what they were looking for. I feel like 
That's a stiff competition, actually. (laughs) And really bad buck teeth. (laughs) (laughs) That was in the character breakdown. Oh, God, I was something. I played this character named Alana. And sometimes, like, people will send me things on Instagram. They'll tag me in photos and they'll be like, is this you? And it's just this little wiry girl with fringe and buck teeth. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, that's me. (laughs) Well, you certainly grew up well. (laughs) So from there, so you went to then Melbourne. Uh, Yeah, so there was a few little jobs scattered throughout, like, high school sort of thing. Did you get those... So you were still going to school at the same time? Yeah, still going to school. And was this from your 21-year-old wildlife <laughs> rescuer yes, from the agent? Same agent. <laughs> I should I shouldn't sell him short on that. He actually runs a brilliant agency back I mean, home now. Listen, <laughs> he he did a good job. It's just I'm so just crazy like, to put that pressure on a 21-year-old. I'm flabbergasted. At the time I was like, he knows everything. But now I'm like, he knew nothing. <laughs> He's so lucky that I booked that job. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> You're one of his success stories. I'm sure your testimonial is on his website somewhere. <laughs> so funny. So doing The Neighbors, you said mm-hmm. there's two big shows in Australia. Yeah. How old were you and what was that transition like? And kind of tell me because I think myself and probably not a lot of other listeners are familiar with the TV world over there. Oh, yeah. Um, and from what I was able to research, it seemed like it was a pretty major show. Like, And what would you equate it to? Like over here, I would, I would, uh, it's very similar to, I guess, a longstanding soap here as well. Um, but it wasn't daytime. It was a primetime viewing. It, it, it's a weird merger. It's almost, I think they tried to change it at the time from being called a soap to being called like a dramatic or drama. Okay. Family drama. I think that's what they were trying to like get people to associate it with. It's a family drama. So it would have been known like as much as law and order here is for example yeah oh definitely it's kind of like i don't know it's tough i want to say something like the oc where it's very family based mm-hmm. it's like the kids and then there's also the oldies who have their stories and you're as invested Did in you them, just call as the, them the oldies yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know when it starts off and it's like here are the hot teenagers and then you get invested in the parents and then they end up having their own side stories Absolutely. as well so it's kind of like that Okay. Every night, half-hour episodes, Home and Away is on at 7 p.m., and then Neighbours runs the half-hour before that on a separate channel, Okay. so um, on a separate network. So, um, yeah, it's hard to put it in a box because I don't really think that exists here just because there's so much more here. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you there's no one in Australia wouldn't know what you mean if you say Home and Away or Neighbours. Mm-hmm. You know, it's one of those things. It's just a staple. It's like saying Vegemite. Everyone associates it with. Australia yeah um uh so yeah I was lucky enough to join that when I was 17 and you said you planned on being there for two years is it yeah did you sign a two-year yeah I signed a two-year contract there um and I was like great two years I'll do that and um it's just so much those shows are so much work you know that it it when you you know coming from school to that well, my friends were at university or college, whatever you want to call it. And they were, you know, they were or having their gap year and very cruisy, comfy lifestyles. And then I kind of like ran from my state to another state. And I was with all these other people who I'd never met before. And we would work from like sunrise till sunset. So there would be winters in Melbourne where we wouldn't see sun because you'd just be in studio all day. Oh, but I mean, it it's just... To push out that amount of work, half-hour episodes every night, every night of the year, five nights out of the week, it, it's just, 
it becomes a very well-oiled machine where mm-hmm. the human element and the workload is kind of <clears throat> not taken into consideration. Like you just have to get it done. Is there a union in Australia? There is, but it's not at all like here. Okay, so you so, could work that yeah. long of days without certain repercussions. Yeah. Oof. I know, I know. I mean, look, they were always very good good to us. Um, but yeah, they were long, long ass days. So having come from that, what spurred you to come to LA? Did you decide that you were kind of done with that world, but then you ended up on a soap here? So I'm interested. I know. I was like, it's so funny. It's, um, yeah, I guess, uh, without even realizing the five years on neighbors was what I loved. I actually loved work. Like my stamina for working is very like I have a high stamina for a workload I can just do it and I thank neighbors for that training more so I mean on these shows you learn such terrible habits because it becomes more about beating the clock or it's a memorizing game rather than an acting exercise you know um so you learn terrible habits but you do learn a great work ethic and uh yeah I definitely thank back home for that but um yeah I got to five years and I was like if I don't leave Now, at five years, I'll be regretting it at the 10-year mark. I could just see myself easily rolling over the years. Mm -hmm. So, um, and I'd had a couple of friends who had left and that had quite a bit of success, you know, pretty early on once they'd landed in LA. So I was like, I'll just go and give it a shot. So uh, with total, like, innocent bravery, I just left. I just quit. And then... I landed in LA like the the January of the year after, which was crazy. It's I'm interested in how that goes because I know so many people and I myself came from a few states away and that process of mm. 2000 miles was its own thing with packing the car and this and that. So mm. what did you bring with you? I know I brought God, I can't remember how many suitcases I had. I think I had I think I only had two huge suitcases of clothes that I would never wear anyway. It was so ridiculous. And like a few knickknacks like for around the house. Did you sell um, all of your stuff back in your Yeah, place? well, I was actually – I had a boyfriend back home at the time and I was living with him. I'd lived with him for almost the whole five years that I was working on Neighbours. So he stayed in Melbourne and, you know, we were trying to do the whole long distance thing, but obviously that didn't end up working out. Yeah. But – um. Uh, he kept the house and he kept the furniture. I think he's still got a lot of that furniture, actually. Oh, really? Yeah, which is good for him because it's really nice. (laughs) (laughs) I hope he's enjoying it. Yeah. (laughs) I bet he is. So you get here. Mm Mm-hmm. You need to find an agent or a manager of some kind. Well, I'd actually made a couple of trips the year before the January that I moved. So um, I had a couple of breaks off from Neighbours through the year and I I traveled twice to LA just to kind of test it out, see if I liked it. And the first time I came here, I hated it. I landed, A, I was so sick and and I was with my boyfriend at the time and he'd booked this room at the Marriott in Santa Monica. (laughs) And that I didn't, oh no, the Hyatt. Is it the Hyatt? I can't remember. Oh, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Um... And my my whole view of LA, like oh, we're in Hollywood, was this high school basketball court and then a walk to the beach, which sucked. And then this he made me catch a bus because back home it's not weird to catch a bus. So we caught a bus in LA, 
which I mean, I'm not trying to shit on the bus or anything, but there it transport is great. Transportation is great, but no, LA <laughs> public transportation tra- is a mess. Do not sugarcoat it. It sucked, and I was so sick as well. And I'm sitting on this bus, and I'm like, LA sucks. Who could live here? I have no idea. And we ended up on Hollywood Boulevard where the stars are. And I was like, I can't do it. I can't move here. Not to burst anyone's bubble who's <laughs> listening to this. But hey, I love it you now. Hollywood Boulevard Walk of sh- Walk of I almost called walk it the of Walk of Shame. It should be called Walk of Shame. The, the, the Walk with the Stars is a very dirty part of town. Mm. And it's people come here to see the beautiful LA, the Hollywood, <clears throat> but... The things that you see on the Hollywood shows are not Hollywood proper. Yeah. Or or you get to that point, but it takes a lot of time to see those pretty things. You know, like the houses that you see on Entourage and like (laughs) all those Hollywood Hills parties that you'd see on like reality shows. It takes a long time to see anything like that. (laughs) It takes a long time. And then you just get a glimpse of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And then you realize that that sucks as well. Yeah, honestly, until you make your own friends, it's kind of dingy all yeah. over in one way or another. Yeah. It's a tough town to be a tourist in, L.A. Yeah, do you know it's voted the most disappointing tourist city? I believe that. I totally believe that. It, I've you never... also have to rent a car if you yeah. want to come here. Like, obviously, you learned that. Okay, so you took yes. the bus. Okay, so we took the bus to Hollywood, blah, 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 and I hated it. And yes. I was like, I can't move here. So then I went back to Davis, and I was like, I'm going to stay here forever. Hollywood yeah, sucks. I'll show you what and... looked like a dream in comparison to the transport to Hollywood Boulevard. It was pretty, pretty, uh, pretty confronting, that trip. Um, so then I went back home, and I worked for another few months, and then I had another friend on the show he'd moved over over here and he kept saying he's like just come over one more shot hang out with me we'll hang out with a whole bunch of other people who we knew and I came over by myself and I kind of just had a week or two weeks with a whole bunch of friends and that was when I was like oh okay this is what it's about like it's not about the sites here or anything like that you have to be here and spend time and it's the atmosphere of the place and like you said the people that you know Mm -hmm. and and then you kind of get comfy and then that was the trip where I was like okay yeah I can do it and then I went back home and I was like, I'm going to leave. And and then I left. Cool. Mm. So brave. I, get, I mean, I would never do it now. That's what I mean by like, when you when you know nothing, when you're like, I mean, I still know nothing, but like 22 nothing, you just do it without even blinking. You're just like, you have all the bravado in the world. But if someone said to me now, you know, I'd be like, oh man, that's, that's going to take a lot of work to move countries. Yeah. <laughs> I probably wouldn't do it. I know. Not like my grocery store and my but it's I think so you, funny I think when you find your place it's a little different I think mm. when you find a home base it's it feels different <clears throat> than being ready to go also at 22 you needed to go anyway it's yeah fun so how yeah. did you once you got here you said you had made a few trips here so how did you go about finding work find, like how did you get involved in the acting business here um yeah so I mean Look, I'm so fortunate with the foot that I had in the door here. So obviously Neighbours was kind of, I didn't even realize at the time, it was it was kind of like a golden ticket, to be honest. You, yeah. you can, they'll take your meeting, you know. Um, and yeah, I just had a lot of meetings and I... Uh, 
How did you set those up? Did you set them up yourself? So my, my agent back home, he set them up for me and he actually came with me and did a whole bunch of meetings with me on that second trip. That this is still the 21-year-old. Yes. Obviously, he wasn't 21 anymore. No, but. he was fully grown and <laughs> he I'm came with so me. I'm so impressed with him. Yeah, I was with him for, I mean, I'm no longer with him, but I was with him for like 12, 13 years. That's amazing. So yeah. Um, so he came with you and he helped you get the meetings. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, came with me and we did all that together and um I I landed with a company that I'm no longer with now um but you know as everyone does you swap and change Mm -hmm. um uh yeah but I was very very fortunate and I I had a pilot it was kind of I guess the first year where pilot season started to take a bit of a dive you know when like people try and prep you for pilot season here and they're like it's gonna be crazy and then I got here and I was like this is nothing what year did you get here uh it was 2012 Okay. 2013 yeah 13 yeah and it was kind of I feel on the cusp of when it was more just all year round rather than one specific season yeah it's kind of died yeah it's weird I mean obviously there's still stuff but yes but at this point to have a true <clears throat> pilot pilot season you have to have a pretty dense resume exactly exactly that's so true I mean the general calls of pilot season I think are pretty you kind know of the past yeah close to none so did you have were they prepping you for pilot season? Yeah, they were prepping me for pilot season. And it was good, you know. I mean, I was fortunate enough to go into the rooms and, and tape for everything and anything that was, you know, of decent size that year. Um, but, I mean, looking back now, I was not ready for that at all. Like, I, I had terrible, terrible habits learned from neighbors. And <laughs> I really just I, – I wish I'd, like, checked myself into – you know, a, a, a school somewhere and was working that way. But um, well, the audition room is its own type of classroom. Yeah. And hindsight is a beautiful thing. That's true. Yeah. It's 2020. Mm-hmm. Did you join the SAG immediately upon coming um, out here? No, I actually joined. Okay. So when or I make it, it sound like, oh, it was, no, it was SAG after us. Okay. Yeah. But um, I really only had, I think my, my pilot season sucked <laughs> and, and you know I'd had another friend who'd come over and she'd book straight away so she was where I'd set the bar where I was like I'll be cool I'll just come over here and book a show in a month that's what people did right. so ridiculous so uh that freaked me out that I I didn't book <laughs> well and you had been working steadily since you were a kid yeah so, so I didn't that really is know scary. another option either so I'd heard about so I work on Bold and the Beautiful now mm-hmm. and I'd heard at the time that Bold and the Beautiful were interested in me while I was still wrapping up at Neighbours and um I'd made it pretty clear that I didn't want to do another soap uh to the point where the producer Brad Bell who's now a really good friend of mine he was calling he's like we really want to see Ash da 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 and I kept saying to my agent the 21 year old I was like no I, no I can't do that again what's the point of leaving Australia to do the same thing here no and then pilot season freaked me out and I was like I'll take the meeting so <laughs> so, so I went to, I went to this just I thought was going to be like a general meeting like a high and they basically handed me sides as I walked into this meeting and it was a chemistry test on the day and it was in front of everyone who I'm now close with but they they're like they were the highest honchos of the show wow they brought you straight in straight in and I had no idea I think my agent was trying to play a cool game with me where he's like she won't want to go to a 
you know, an audition like that because that'll mean that she's probably up in the running for a part. And I didn't really know where I stood with the whole thing at the time. This is so dumb. I would take any audition in any meeting anywhere now. Um, but at the time oh I was God, like, I, I was like, um, I don't know what to do. Da, da, da. So I turn up, it's an audition. It goes really well. And I was in this, this is not normal, by the way. This is, and I know now how yeah. not normal this is. Like, this is not a normal process. And You were straight to a chemistry read? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I not. know. It's definitely what, what lot were you on? Do you remember? Um it's the um one on Beverly and Fairfax. The that's CBS. Yeah, CBS uh, yeah. there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um it's a big that's a big building to walk into. Yeah, I know, but you know, again, now I'm aware of how big they are, but then I was just like, This is what everyone here is doing. Like I had no idea. You didn't know how important that I was. I just that you were. no, I that's totally so went funny. over my head, which is the beauty of it, you know. Yeah. Um that's you know that's that total naivety it's the i had same no idea where you just got up and moved yeah exactly same, same little... thing it's almost like and i hate that saying ignorance is bliss but in this case it is and um yeah i i went into this meeting and i did the scene and and the producer brad he said to me and i'll remember this until the day i die he looked at me and he was like so what kind of character would you like to play and i was like fuck i'm getting this job <laughs> I know, and I know that sounds crazy to me now. I would not think like this now. I know, but at the but time I was just, like, I just come off five years, off of, and yeah, yeah, and um, and that workload is intense. And so oh, you were signing up for it again. Yes, in different and the crazy thing is, is that I knew how big of the workload Bold was. So I'd come from Neighbors, which is six episodes in five days, and Bold and the Beautiful shoots eight episodes in four days. No. Yes, two completed episodes in a day. So I knew what I was getting into where I was like, I mean, obviously acting is acting and it's incredible, but it's the workload that where you're like, oh, man. I And I was feeling well, like I was not doing myself a justice by – allowing like four weeks of pilot season oh well didn't do it let's go back to a soap I felt like I was kidding my, like I wasn't giving myself a lot of chances to just go and do right. it but it's the best thing I've ever done now it's I, I'm so happy that I said yes and I ended up getting it and then that was that what did you answer to his question I said to him that um I always play the girl next door and I just don't want to do that which he didn't hear and I went to play the girl next door for the next one <laughs> I was you like, know, I want to play villain. I want to play, like, I want to play the bitchy girl or the real conniving girl, Cunnings, like anything. And her name is, my well, my character's name on the show is Ivy Forrester and that's about as bad as she gets. <laughs> she sounds very white. <laughs> she does. She is. And Australian. And Australian. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. Perfect. Yeah. So you jump into that workload. So let's talk about mm-hmm. that a little bit because I know you've you've done more than that at this point. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> in terms of soaps, because I haven't had a guest on yet to talk about soap opera oh, specifically. Yeah. I'll talk about it all damn day. I love it. So tell me, uh, what what is a normal day like on a soap opera set? Mm-hmm. Um, what kind of things have you learned from that that could translate? Because uh, I've had soap opera auditions before and I don't think I took them the way I should have in what way I think that it's a different kind of tone right mm-hmm. and I don't think that I um knew what I was doing <laughs> I actually auditioned for I think it was bold and beautiful yeah uh I think that was the last one I went in for and uh I just didn't 
I felt when I left that I wasn't, I wasn't right, but I don't think right. that I wasn't right. I think that my tone wasn't right. Yeah. So in terms of if you could talk on, we'll start with auditions. Right. For soap operas first. Yeah. Um, what's, uh, what do you have to say about those? Um, well, I can talk about my Australian experience. Um, it was very odd and, you know, I was 17 and I just, I had this thing in my head since I was a kid where I was like, I don't know what I'm going to do when I leave school. I have to get on Neighbours. I have to get on Neighbours. That's all I had on my head, in my head. And it came to the last week of school and I was like, fuck, I have no idea what to do. And then I ended up getting this audition and they flew me to, no, I auditioned in Brisbane for the show. The casting director came up to Brisbane. She liked me there. Her name's Jen Russ. Still one of the best. And she then carried me down to Melbourne for another audition and then I went back home to Brisbane and then I finished school and they took me back down like the week that I finished high school. And that final audition was when they partnered up me with families. And that's when I realized that that's how those, how that show was done, that they were trying to find unique looks and unique dynamics between the kids. So it was me and my younger brother and my younger sister and oddly enough, so I was 17, so all the girls who were going for my character were 17. And then there was uh, the younger sister who was around 12 and then the younger brother who was around 16, 15. Mm-hmm. And they had four groups of threes and we all auditioned in front of each other and they swapped and changed the kids. Brutal. They Brutal. Have kids auditioning in front of each other. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah, and you just have to go and sit and watch the other group do it, and then they they kept calling me into the other group. So I was like, I feel like this is a good sign. Yeah. And then there was my the girl who ended up playing my younger sister as well. They were doing the same thing to her, and they were trying to like. I realized once they liked me, they were then trying to match a girl to me, and then they brought the boy in, and they brought the so that we all kind of looked alike, and Got the it. dynamic was cool. Um, so that was. A crazy audition. I just couldn't, even when I, even then when I was 17, I was like, I cannot believe they're letting us audition in front of each other. Yeah, that sucks. I know. Um, could you imagine doing that now? No. As I, it would, <laughs> it would, I do, I've done any commercial auditions. I just walk straight out into a bus. Yeah, that, <laughs> that public transportation you like so much. Yeah. Uh, no, I've done it in commercial uh, auditions before where they line you up and they have you do like the same thing. Sometimes yeah, that's but, brutal. Um but never a theatrical. That yeah. is rough. And especially at a younger age, I would just, it, that makes it impossible not to rethink everything you had planned to do. Exactly. Ooh. Exactly. But then the beauty of that is that we were so young and we didn't really plan much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, that was that one. And then obviously the weird audition experience where it was just straight to a chemistry read from, I mean, that was the luxury of, that was kind of the gift of Neighbours was being able yeah. to go straight to that audition. Well, so they knew you could handle it. Yeah. So, um, and I knew at the time that they were looking for someone young, like a young 20s, obviously to go into such an intense workload, they need, I mean, for the machine to just keep rolling as smoothly as that it does, they really need someone who's come from a sort of background. So well, yeah, they knew they could trust you. Yeah, yeah. It's time is money. Yeah, exactly. Uh, in terms of acting on the show, mm-hmm. what is the tone of that? So um, for this, I'll talk just strictly bold in terms of American context because Australian's so different. It's just you know very casual and how we are. Um, and there's not really a tone to it and it's much more character driven. Whereas 
That sounds very like like a streaming show on Netflix. Yeah, that's what it is. It, it's uh, driven by families and the family dynamic and characters within those families. That's like parenthood. And, yeah, and you, you don't really go <laughs> off, you know, you go in as a character and you usually stay to, you know, the certain dot points that you've written out for yourself can stay true from beginning till end, okay. which I know sounds normal for any show that we watch, but for soaps, it's really not usually the case. Yeah. So over here... I've found that, you know, I think there's only four standing, Bold and Beautiful, Young and the Restless, Days of Our Lives, and General Hospital. Yeah, um, they really cut down. Yeah, there's only four, and they're all here, which is great, but um, it's much more story-driven. So I feel that the struggle for myself and for, I know, every other actor I've ever worked with is that you you go in with a certain idea of how even what you've been told of what your character is and where she's going to go or he's going to go and and the battle is letting go of the character and realizing that these shows are storyline driven there's not a lot of room for character and you know the writers and producers will I guess try and indulge the actors that they know that they're working with and try and tell you that it is but at the end of the day it's really not it, it's <laughs> and that's to no disrespect it's just the way of the show you know yeah um so that's, that's the, the genre yeah. Just, yeah but then that's the real struggle as well for the actor and I guess you can kind of fall into a few holes where you're like oh gosh I've really lost who she was and you know if you've been doing a, a certain character for three four years it gets very monotonous being thrown, you know, you suffer a bit of whiplash where you're like, wait a second, last week I was with his brother and I was behaving this way and now just to serve the storyline, I have to 360 on the work that I did then and I have to go that way and it feels very, I guess, as the ego of the actor become and feels very disrespectful where you're like, but I gave you so much and I gave you all that and now you've just unraveled the whole thing. Right. And And that's... I feel that that is a real trap and it's a real challenge for a lot of soap actors. Yeah. It's if that makes like, sense. That was no, a big ramble. No, 100%. But <laughs> it's, it's letting go of realizing that it's not really your character at the end of the day. It's the writer's it, character. Yeah. yeah. Well, That's it's tough. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you've been doing the same thing for years. Mm, yeah. That's really tough. Yeah. Because, you know, you do certain storylines come your way and – you know, you want to exercise the actor within you and not just like the memory bank that you feel like you are sometimes and and you get so invested in it and you try and give it your all and you feel so proud of it and within a flip of a page, it's all gone and you're just like, oh man. Yeah. You know, and it just, it really does, it gets, it cuts you deep sometimes, but you just have, it's just, yeah. Especially when you, when you're enjoying what you're doing and you like the choices you're making. So how do you roll with that? Have you just kind of accepted it? Do you and the other actors talk it through? I mean, we do, we all talk about it. It's, It's definitely not like, it's definitely a challenge and a hurdle that everyone has dealt with at some point and doesn't matter if you've been doing it for a year or five years or if 25, 35 years, which some people I work with have been, um, they'll still to this day you know even if they've been doing it for 30 years we'll have the same problem where they're like oh god it's gone it's just gone and um yeah I think you just have you learn to let go very easily which is also something that I'm so thankful for which I didn't realize now that I'm getting a little bit more into focusing on you know I want more and and cool material so I'm auditioning a little bit more and I I've realized that I don't kill myself at the end of auditions and it's because I'm so used to just 
you do this scene, it's done. You do this scene, it's done. You do this scene, it's done. And you just learn to forget very easily. And that's that's something I'm like, oh, that's what that training's for. That's, you know, and something that I didn't realize was going to come my way because of that. Oh, yeah, that's great. Mm. That's a great takeaway from that. Yeah. Because you can kind of just walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, with particularly with bold, you know, you let's say I average – on a busy week, um, particularly when I was super busy there the first two, three years, um, uh, with if I did an eight-episode week and I did seven episodes every episode, that's 14 scenes in a day back-to-back. And I know on average that I'll be doing probably one, two scenes will be, I'll be proud of if I'm lucky. But I'm not going to think about the scene that I like fucked up a line or or this or that. You know what I mean? I'm not going to think about that scene because I know I have to go and do the next one. So you just let it go and it becomes, it becomes more like a survival exercise rather than it doesn't, I'm not forcing myself to let go of the mistakes or thinking about it. But yeah, yeah, that's really useful. Mm. That is a lot of pages in a day. Mm -hmm. Did you realize as you started to audition for other things and kind of step out of this world that you're still in but like Mm -hmm. take a step out did you kind of come to realize that you are doing like 50 times the work of most actors in a week yes in terms (laughs) of memory yes but in terms of the the workload and what it requires to accurately break from my comfort levels now to break down a scene and uh no like it 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 exhausted my memory it didn't exhaust me and I feel like a good scene and I could be totally wrong here and I know nothing but I feel like a good scene it's exhausting to me at the end of it I'm happy and I'm proud after auditions yeah but like (laughs) and it could be three pages but if I've given it everything I can once that relief is gone I'm like whoo and it could be three scenes, three pages. Yeah. But at work, I could easily do, I don't know what three, four times 14 is, but it's a, a lot. lot. I would just, you know, I could just, I could keep going. So it's not taxing on me physically or mentally, but it is very taxing on my, like, I guess mentally, on my yeah. memory. Yeah, you found your, you but found what works. Yeah. So what is a day like for you? Um, well, at the moment, it's pretty cruisy. I'm only there, you know, like one, two days a week now. <laughs> Let's start um, with the busier the So busier the busier times. times um, well. And feel free to interject how you kind of keep yourself healthy and sane. Right. On those kind of crazier schedules. Okay, well, um, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay, that's honest. I love that. <laughs> no, I didn't. I remember, oh God, I started off. But you were super young. You can get away with more. Yeah, I guess so. Um, yeah, no, I've never... I mean, I'm I'm pretty healthy now, but at the time I really wasn't. And I just moved to America as well. And I'd, I'd moved country and I'd taken on this job. So nothing was normal. Yeah. I, put on, I put on a lot of weight. You like, did? Yes. Like my early, my early days on Bold... Yeah, pretty gnarly. Like if you, if you look really? at, yeah, there was this, we did this trip in Paris and I still look back, photos will come up and I'm like, wow, yeah, that girl, I remember. <laughs> but it you was a very small frame. So <laughs> it was just a lot of, you know, it, it was more, I mean, people probably wouldn't see weight or anything, but I just felt horrible, but it was the workload. Like I was just eating whatever I could to stay awake. Yeah. And, um, 
and yeah, there there really isn't many lunch breaks at this job, which I feel like I shouldn't be outing them on. But um, no, this is the good stuff. We want to know. What <laughs> I'm like, like, please, no one from SAG be listening. But if you are um, listening, <laughs> Sam Valentine. <laughs> no, look, we're very looked after, and the cool thing is, is that. Uh, there's a lot of gaps and breaks in the day to grab food. And I think, you know, I mean, actors love a break. Anyone in on a job anywhere in the world loves an like an actual break. Like, here's your 115 till 145. Enjoy uh-huh. your break. Da, da, da. But, I mean, actors have so much downtime that, I mean, if you didn't have that rule in your head, you just eat all day if you wanted to. And your craft services is right there waiting <laughs> yes, for you. Yes, exactly. So what, is a, so what is the day like? Like, what time would um, you get up? What? So I would normally... it could be pretty early I guess an 8 a.m 7 a.m call time um and I would go to makeup uh like 7 till 8 and then I would either go to hair straight after um but usually the and so one hour before we begin recording for the whole day is the rehearsal for blocking Okay. So every scene, and it doesn't matter if there are 18 scenes in one day or 50-something scenes in one day. It's the same hour to get all the blocking done. So you Wow, <laughs> just an hour? Yeah. So you just sit there and the director will be like, okay. Um, so you get... So you have all your scenes in front of you, like everything. And you're like half done, like your hair yeah, is done yeah, or something. Yeah, your either my hair is done or my makeup's done, one of them. And... It's not a rehearsal, rehearsal. No line reads, no nothing. You just sit there and the director will be like, okay, on the line when you say da-da-da-da-da, I want you to move from the desk to the door. And then on this line, on the next page, I want you to move from the door down to the drafting table. And then it'll be like, okay, and we're done with that. Next scene. Okay, so we want you to go from the drafting table up to the couch, from the couch, stay there. For the next scene, stay there. Same positions. And then that is just rattled off until your scenes are done and then that director goes to the next actors and then tells them all they're blocking so by the end of that hour I mean I could have between 15 to 20 scenes completely blocked out in writing within like seven minutes (laughs) oh my god (laughs) I know and you just look at it and you're like all right I hope I remember this and then weirdly enough you do you know you just get there and you're like it's okay it's just in my head yeah. And you just do it. It's very simple. I mean, it's very it's very simple and there's not a lot of complicated movement, but it's just it's that extra little thing where you have to add on to remembering your lines, like yeah. when to move and for what. When do you get your scripts? Uh usually the week before. Okay. Yeah. So you've had the script for a couple of days. Yeah. Probably over the weekend you had it. Yeah. And you're are you ever given rehearsal time in the space before you shoot it? Uh, only for cameras. So it's a stop start. Okay. Yeah. So obviously the cameras and lighting need to see us. So there will usually be a rehearsal, but oftentimes we'll shoot the rehearsal. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah. And if that's good enough, you'll do it. And it's very rare as well that they'll just let us run out the whole scene. Mm -hmm. If we, if someone goes up on a line or drops a line or whatever, it'll just be stopped there and then picked up from there. Okay. So you'll never get the full run again. So that's wow. tough. That was tough for me to begin with. So I wasn't used to that at all. Yeah. So this is, if I was to compare like Neighbours and Bold, Neighbours was a little more how, I guess, primetime would be shot. Mm-hmm. And then, and Bold to me is, it's a very strict soap format. Yeah, that's, 
Yeah. That's very, oof. Okay, so yeah. so here we are. You have half of your, most of your makeup done. Mm-hmm. You've done a blocking run through with the director. Yeah. And then you take your script, you go get your hair done. Yeah. And then do you go to wardrobe or do you um, go there? Usually my wardrobe will just be hanging Okay. there in my dressing room anyway so I'll just go down get changed and you know I could be lucky to if if you're not first up that's kind of a that's great because you know that you have time with your scene partner to kind of run a whole bunch and and what's crazy is that we have everyone across the board every cast member we will run once the scene has been read out loud three times we're on to the next so if it's not in your memory after three runs it probably won't be. <laughs> so, and that's just that's just the general rule for everyone. Just like amazing. three runs, done. Three runs, done. I mean, it is a muscle. Mm, it really it's is. Absolutely a muscle. And, that and it's fun though. And it feels so cool like with, with the cast, you know. You know you're doing something where you're like, it's, you're never going to, oh, man, I work with, they're incredible actors. Incredible all of them within their own rights. And some have had huge careers like in the 90s and and uh, even the young ones, you know, they've done cool stuff and, and they've stretched muscles in different directions. And um, But yeah, this is a different machine altogether. Is and there a certain way you learned this or was it just the repetition of the work? Yeah, just the repetition. It's kind of like a single swim thing, you know. Mm-hmm. I, I, people always say to me, oh man, I wouldn't be able to do it. I'm like, you can, you can yep. because there's no other option. You have to. And you ha- you're not going to do your coolest acting work. And I've also found it on Bold and the Beautiful and on Neighbours that when you get someone in who's very concentrated, like highly, highly concentrated and in their head about the work that they're um, producing, they oftentimes won't last because you can't – there's no time to be in your head with this kind of work. Oh, that's a good little – yeah, yeah you kind of just have to let it go. You, you've got to let it go and, and you can't think that you can do more than someone else or something because everyone needs to kind of be on the same level for it to work. Like I understand what ensemble cast means so much because these like these players, you all have to be the same level. Yeah, No one can be trying to like manipulate another person to see what performance they'll get out of them because there's no time for that because <laughs> you like that would be crazy to me. Like, there's yeah. none of it. You just don't have – you don't yeah. have the space to do it. I mean maybe if it's like one-on-one you can have some fun but you wouldn't want to shock anyone too much because they'd be like, what are you – what? Yeah, the camera's at a certain <laughs> angle. You can't move that much. Yeah, yeah. So you – Film the scenes, oftentimes mm-hmm. lots in a row. Do you get, you said yeah. there, there's no like specific lunch break because they're probably filming the next thing. Yeah. yeah, yeah, always. So, and every, it's just the day is over once every scene is shot. So sometimes you'll finish at 3 p.m. or 5 p.m. or 2 a.m. Like it doesn't matter. Ooh. Yeah, it's just whenever it's done. I'm actually on Thursday, we're shooting, no, tomorrow. <gasps> tomorrow, I'm shooting christmas episodes and oh i God, know hey. <laughs> i know how funny but i know and everyone else will know that like if it's in a if it's a holiday like halloween or thanksgiving or christmas if it's one of those episodes we'll be there until after midnight because there's like rather than the quick two-handers there'll be like six seven characters in a scene and that takes a, a two, lot longer what's a two-hander i uh, just like two people okay yeah i actually don't know if they ever said that that might be an australian thing but that's just good to know yeah <laughs> yeah uh okay that's nuts so what do you do 
between shoot days? How do you recuperate now that you've been doing it for long enough to find your healthy, steady flow? Um, I didn't do a lot, to be honest. I kind of just, I just, I really don't do much. You know, I feel like reading sucked. When I was really in the middle of that, like, you know, chunk of three years, I didn't really, I didn't, find comfort in even watching TV or even with neighbors, actually, I never, I've only just really gotten into relaxing while I watch. So I wasn't doing anything like that. I guess just working out when I could and seeing friends and mm-hmm. being outside because you're in studio for so much time. So yeah. just being out and about feels nice. So you just kind of get your sleep, get your rest yeah. and try and have a social life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it sounds crazy, but I really, it's, it is, it's like a I nine love it so to much. five. Yeah, it really is. so it's, dedicated. Yeah, and it's very safe. <laughs> it's like a, it's the safest out of all acting, you know, yeah. like acting opportunities. You know that you'll go there every week and there'll be a job there and yeah. How, when is your break time? When do you get to be on hiatus? Um, well, bold's great. So within that workload that I just said, it's three weeks on and then one week off a month. Oh, it's like uh, yeah. year-round school. Yeah, yeah. So with how, like, I'm not exaggerating with how much they push us and how much they push the work. No, that's still a lot of work. Yeah, but it is, it's maintainable because of that week. That'll keep people healthy and yeah. also keep them happy at their job. Exactly. Whereas the flip of that for me with Neighbours as well, there wasn't a lot of time off in between and we were working still the same amount, you know, from sunrise to sunset and and every day, like Monday to Friday, every week of the year, and you'd have like Christmas off and maybe a week at Easter. But it's it's just, it's such highly concentrated work that I feel like the only way, and I'm so glad that they do have, that keeps people healthy is to have that one week off a month. Yeah. So in that one week, is that year year round or do you guys have like a break period? Um. Yeah, year round. Okay. And then Christmas, I think there's a month at Christmas or three weeks at Christmas. Okay. Yeah. Do you get to do some traveling at any point in time? Is there? Do you ever know ahead of time when you can leave town or the country? Yeah, there's a there's a bit of time, which is pretty good. But I mean, as well in terms of holidays, the show I think Bold is the only show that travels internationally. So we did cool. Um, we had trips as well, and you're so used to people, so it feels like a holiday, even though we're working like crazy oh, through it. So fun. Yeah, we did. We did Paris and Amsterdam. Where else? Monte Carlo, and that I mean they've gone everywhere over the years, which is so nice. So that's awesome. And actually, a little thing: the reason that is that that does exist with Bold and not the others is because Bold is still family operated and owned. So. I think YNR was bought out by Sony and then the others are owned by corporations, whereas this is still owned by the original creators of Young and the Restless and Bold and the Beautiful. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, so the son, who's my boss, Brad, he uh, his parents created soaps and he still owns Bold and writes for Bold. Oh, that's really yeah. cool. Yeah, so in terms of like needing time off or a week or a trip or whatever, it doesn't have to go through a whole bunch of different channels to get a yes or a no. It's He's, he's accessible by a text message and it's done. So it things that's happen. really nice. Yeah, so it's really cool. That's really nice. Yeah. So how has it been for you stepping out of that world and auditioning for other things? I know you've worked on a couple other things recently. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's been... I don't know. It's weird. It, I'm very, t- I feel like I'm very torn because 
I mean, I go to uh, I go to acting classes at Beverly Hills Playhouse, mm-hmm. so I feel like I'm really stretching my muscles for the first time ever there. So I know that I still have a real passion, and I love acting, and I love actors. Yeah. Um, but I really miss the workload. So <laughs> it's a tough thing, you know, to be an actor out here or anywhere. You know, it requires so much patience. And and since leaving school to now, I've had I haven't had to be patient for much or really time to think so much because I've just been working. Yeah, that and time to think is real scary. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah, and you <laughs> doubt yourself so much, and you go through so much angst just just because you have time to do it. And welcome. To oh my, my gosh, world. I know. So that's been the biggest thing. It's been. I feel like I've had like. You know, I don't know. I feel like I'm going through this weird period at the moment where it's because of that. It's almost like people go through everything that I didn't go through in my young 20s is -hmm. happening now because I was just working so much. I didn't have time to stop in my young 20s and like go crazy or feel things or do this and do that, (laughs) that, that. And now this year, I've just been bombarded by everything just because I have the time to do so. Are you working on the show like less days a week? Yes. So uh, my contract, we just took it to a little wider level and now, um, which is, I'm so lucky and so fortunate. That doesn't, it's not a usual thing. Um, but, uh, um, yeah, I'm there. I just do one or two episodes a week now that's rather nice. than, yeah, the six to eight. It's kind of refreshing. Nice. Yes. So that's given you the time to take class. Yes. And to audition. Yes. And, uh, you've filmed some pretty cool stuff. I we'll know. Go names. I don't know if we're supposed to. I know. To I actually don't know what the rules are, so okay. I might try and be we'll kind it. of discreet. We'll keep it discreet. Yeah. Uh, so you just filmed, uh, a new feature yes. recently. Yes. So that is a whole new world. Yeah. How was that in comparison to your workload um, previous? It was like nothing in comparison. <laughs> but Because um, you do like three pages a day. Yes, exactly. <laughs> but the weirder thing was is that this um, – it, it's an HBO film and it, the audition process was improvisation. And I don't have any improv background at all let alone doing improv in an American accent scares the hell out of me. So I was like, oh my God. And it was the first time I was being seen by an office casting for HBO. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a bust. This is so ridiculous. Improv is the polar opposite of all of the work you've done. Oh, I've never much. ever done it. I'm like, this is great. <laughs> what do I do? What do I do? I and had no idea. they told you when they contacted you with this audition that it was going to be improv. Yes. Yeah. So you got so, no sides. No. Well, there were four scenarios sent to me and okay. I knew that I would have to play out the four scenarios but you know now in hindsight I'm like oh god I could have still prepped and still <laughs> so I take it you it's didn't. like I read it and I was like da, 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 just threw them away um you know maybe that was better maybe that worked it worked yeah but although I didn't so I didn't focus interestingly enough it's a biopic so I was going in to be seen for a woman who existed mm-hmm. who still exists and um I went down that avenue rather than focusing on the actual like scenarios that they wanted me to play out I'd more so I was just fascinated by her and I ended up finding she was hard to track down but I ended up finding these like old 80s people magazine like tiny teeny articles about her and then I kind of just created her from that and it really worked in my favor and I was like that's that wasn't real that was a great accidental decision yeah so I went in and I think I just I just totally understood her and then um and then, yeah. And then I got it. 
<laughs> so it worked. <laughs> yes, but I had auditioned all, and I mean, this is not like a crazy huge thing at all either. But um, it's uh, still really cool, though. Yeah, it's that, definitely I, a so cool. So that was your tick. research for that project was instead of working with the improv concerns you really oh, just yeah. looked at the character yeah I really just let it go because I was like I'm not going to learn this I felt like the more I knew about improv the more nervous I would be going in so I just kind of winged that side of things and really wanted to know who she was that's so cool yeah that's awesome yeah so that that was very fun and yeah now I'm just you know like Living everyone just auditioning and and you know, it's so crazy to me where you'll get some auditions and you're like, oh my God, this is me. I know everything. Da, 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 da. Mm-hmm. And then nothing happens. And then the ones that you don't really, you're just like, this is ridiculous. Like I can't do procedural things very well at all, but then they're the ones that will go very well. So I'm just like, I don't even know. I don't even understand my auditioning climate at all. It's I don't know. Such does it do people? <laughs> I, you know, not really. I know. Uh, the more people I talk to on this podcast, the more popular the opinion of you kind of have to do your work beforehand and then not – it's not that you don't care in the room, but it's that you don't care about the result. Right. And the more people I've talked to, the more that has been the standing theme in every episode. Yeah. Okay. It's well, crazy. that's cool. Someone told me once that – you don't get paid for the job. You get paid for the audition time, which is a cool way to look at it. Yeah. That would be a more appropriate pay. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we're all in a deficit right now, but then the payoff is for, you know, just to fill the the well back in. Oh my God. Cause every year I do my taxes, I highlight all the money I spent at meters and I'm like, Oh my God. Seriously. It's crazy here. (laughs) It's yeah. It's a little nuts. The parking alone is it's because that, that bus system still isn't working. <laughs> Seriously, they're trying to do that train though, which is really just hang, like hanging up Wilshire. Yeah, they're not. It's, they've, they're trying. Um, there's a lot of work to be done in terms mm. of getting places. Yeah. Uh, so that being said, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> what do you wish you knew before you started acting in America? Oh. Um... I wish I knew the importance of class. That's very interesting. Because I've only really, this is the first year that I've really dived in and I get it. <laughs> like, what I is just class get to it. you? Like, what is the importance um, of I think, it? you know, everything that we've spoken about, I've been so lucky to, in some capacity, say that I've worked as an actor since I decided to be one. And that's crazy. And I'm at a point now where I'm very aware of how cool that is what a cool chapter to like close and then try for more sort of thing so I get what that's fucking great yeah but that said this is the first time ever like class has granted me permission to um say that I really want to be an actor that I am an actor whereas I didn't get that ever from a job I never I've never felt it I've never like had that like fulfilled satisfaction within me working I've felt all of that in the last six months at class. That is really cool. Yeah. And I really, I've, I've said it multiple times this week where last week where I was like, I regret not going to class while I was working on bold because I could have, I still could have. So yeah, that's been 
that's been a huge revelation for 2017. That's really cool. Mm. I actually read this thing about, um, I have this book at home. It's this huge book and it's handwritten letters by people of influence like Adolf Hitler and blah, 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 like great people, bad people, everyone in between. And Marilyn Monroe, um, it was a to-do list, like her resolution list for the turn of whatever year it was. Mm-hmm. And she had I found it so interesting because I read it just flipped to the page randomly I'd never seen it the week that I started class and it was her talking about the actor's studio and she had about 10 dot points on her resolution list and every single dot point was about either bettering herself as an actor or how to better herself in class to get to where she wants to be and then in brackets at the end she's like I may as well be in class because I'll be unhappy here anyway that is and that was Marilyn Monroe and it was a year when she was in her peak yeah I like that so much because it just makes it feel like everyone can attain the feeling of being a successful actor without having to get booked on something I know and it sounds I mean you know everyone here is chasing I'm the same you know we're all chasing our our own Moby Dick sort of thing or white whale whatever Mm -hmm. but you can you can find it and I'm so lucky to be almost working backwards in a sense where I've I've started off working and now I'm at the other point where I'm not and I'm back on the path to figuring that out and um yeah I promise like actually I haven't really thought about this properly myself but you can find it even though it doesn't feel, you know, I get it, but that's where I'm lucky is that I can tick off the, oh, I've been hired once box Mm -hmm. and really know what it feels like to do good work without needing the approval of a paycheck at the end of it because it's not for that. And I feel like auditions and acting, you can can learn to hate it. I think it's Howard, is it Howard Fine's classes where he tells his people not to applaud at the end of the... There's no applause allowed. I've heard of this. I don't know whose class it is. I think it's Howard Fine. And someone someone told me that they were doing his class. And my immediate reaction when I was told that was because I was taking a friend to Beverly Hills Playhouse. And he was like, I was like, just so you know, when the teacher walks in, we all stand and we clap. And he's Australian and that's weird to Australians. <laughs> and <laughs> so I was just pre-warning him. Yeah. And I was like, everyone stands and claps. And he's like, okay. And he's like, do people clap at the end of the scenes? And I was like, yes, of course. People have slaved away all week on this stuff. And he was like, well, in Howard Fine, we can't applause. And my immediate sentence out of my mouth was, well, why not take more joy out of something we all hate anyway? Like, it made no sense at all to like... So I think if you can find joy in still doing this as adults and not collecting money at the end of it, you're in the right space. Because the second you're not and you're not getting paid, it's over. Yeah. Like, it's just, right? I mean, it has to be. That's so great to hear from you too because you have worked enough to where you could be, A, jaded at this point. Yeah. Or you could be some level of entitled and you could be at a point where you're like, why am I not getting A, B, C, D jobs? Yeah. And instead, you're just trying to better yourself and you're finding the happy part in it. Yeah. That's really cool. I know, it's good. It's good. But I have very good people around me too, you know, so... It's that makes a huge difference. Yeah, you mean your your friends or like your yeah team? friends, family, even yeah everyone. Everyone is very cool, and I even say like people will be like, "Wow, what are soap actors like in there? Like they must be crazy." Da, da, da. And I'm like, they're the only people who've been consistently 
employed in this town for almost 30 years, some of them. They're the most humble, incredible, beautiful people on the planet because they're the safest. And that's what like we all want, you know, and I feel like LA creates people, creates in people this kind of very rocky character and it's not them it's just that no one is safe here and no one feels safe and no one should it's so scary yeah I don't know if that that got dark but no it's true it's just you know that actually makes it sound a little nicer than just saying people are jaded or people are negative it's that we're all everyone is small level of scared yeah i'd say a huge level it's it's true and you know it's just you know being jaded or angry is just a cover it's true it's a symptom yeah Yeah. it's not the disease i think being able to talk about it the scary parts just like when you have a nightmare as a kid when you talk about it it's less scary that's so true that's so true yeah you said yeah and it's just knowing that everyone does feel the same. And, you know, you have those friends who sit with you at coffee or whatever and, you know, you know about every audition they have and every, like, one-liner they picked up or commercial <laughs> shit. And you just – you sit there and you feel like a piece of shit because you're like, man, I didn't do anything this week, da da, da. But – People cover in different ways, you know. I don't talk. I mean, I've talked a lot about myself this time, but I don't yeah, sit but there and openly. I don't openly like talk about what's going on in the week in terms of work, just because I just don't. And I think it's because I'm scared to talk about it because I never want to fail. So if everyone knows that I had this, 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 I'm like, oh, by the way, I failed that many times as well. Yeah, it's it's setting an expectation for yourself, and I I agree with you. I think some people cover their acting by is going over every single detail of every single yes. piece they've done yeah. it's like whereas others are more withdrawn yes. but it's the, the but root then of it the same yeah but then we don't want to tell anyone what we're doing even though it might be also cool and yeah. because we're all just afraid that yeah what if it doesn't happen I or know. what if this x y and z like yeah yeah it's true i know even that bravado here and that i guess arrogance that you hear and it really is it's just a whole bunch of scared acting kids. <laughs> We're all just scared. Let's just be scared together. <laughs> We're just scared, scared drama class. That's it. We're all going to be true. fine, though. <laughs> We're all going to be fine. fine. And if you're listening to this podcast, you're already 10 steps ahead of everyone else. So thanks for joining us. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're reaching out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is the perfect place, I think, to wrap it up. Awesome. Yay. That was this great. Was so lovely. Thanks so much. If people want to, obviously they can watch you on The Bold and the Beautiful. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> what is that? No, do watch. <laughs> you can see what the result of her very exemplary work is like. <laughs> oh, thanks. And uh, if people want to find out more about you or follow you online in some capacity, where would they do that? Oh, yeah. Um, I guess my Instagram, which is just my name, Ash Brewer. And uh, that's pretty much where I leave it. We didn't even talk about your dog. Oh, he's the best. Yeah, Cools is kind of her Instagram. He is. He's the best. He really has taken over my life. That's the, when you said I have good people around you. I just mean Cools. <laughs> yeah. Just good. I have a good dog around me. <laughs> That's all you need. (laughs) That's the perfect tidbit I'm going to leave you at. All right. Uh, Thanks so much, guys. And I'll talk to you in just a bit. And that wraps.
wraps us up for episode 12 of the One Broke Actors podcast. Ash, thank you so much again for coming on. That was some very valuable information. It was so cool to talk about soap operas, which I feel like no one talks about anymore, but they're kind of incredible jobs and such hardworking people. We have a lot we can learn from them. That's the end of season one. What? That's crazy. Well, here's what I want to know. I want to know what your favorite episode was. I want to know who you learned the most from. And I want you to tell me that by writing it in a review of this podcast. And if you do so and you screenshot it and you send it to me, I'm going to enter you in to win another mystery box. That's right. Not only will I write you a very kind, sincere email back, which I would 100% do, I'll enter you in to win. And last time we didn't have that many entries, guys. And Mitzi Marshall won a box and it was full of really cool stuff. And I wrapped it all in old sides. So it looked awesome. So I really, really, really want to give this away to an actor who has been listening to the whole season. So listen up, review the podcast, tell me what your favorite episode was. It's also very good for me to know for next season. Screenshot it, send it to Sam at samvalentine.net. And I will enter you in and I'll write you a note back because you're awesome. Thank you so much, guys. This has been an amazing process for me. And I am so excited to tell you about season two. I can give you a little sneak peek. We have some pretty big league people coming on next season. Actors, directors, managers. I have an acting tax accountant coming on in the beginning right as soon as tax season comes give you a little advice on how to do your taxes we have a nutritionalist we have a makeup artist there's a lot happening and it's going to be really valuable so please get on board please review the podcast and tell me what your favorite episode was and while you're at it you should follow me on instagram at sam valentine you should check out onebrokeactress.com because that will still be having new articles every single week regardless of the podcast functioning And of course, thank you as always to Maggie Zabo for your beautiful theme song. And guys, I'll see you in 2018.